What a wonderful way to begin the service. Larissa and Layton, congratulations on your baptism. That was outstanding. Thank you, Lord, for that. Trey and Amy McElfish, who are your friends that you brought to our church, and we're so delighted that they came and they were baptized uh, today. Thank you, Corey. Great job. Woo, I feel like running a marathon now. I'm telling you, I'm all, all, all excited. So uh, thank you, Corey, and our worship ministry. Uh, Brother Terry and, and Miss Debbie are in Fort Worth today celebrating the birth of their, well, the one-year birth of their grandson, uh, Rhodes Drew Hill. So that boy is just going to be blessed. Let me tell you, his mom and dad are just some of the finest people. His, his dad, Drew, uh, years ago, I was his pastor, and he came to my office one day and he said, Pastor, I'm either going to be a dentist or a pastor. I said, Brother, be a dentist. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. <laughs> I promise I didn't say that. I said, Drew, I will pray for you, but that's something you're going to have to work through. You're going to have to decide. So he prayed and prayed about it. Brilliant young man, Mr. Arkansas in the state of Arkansas. He was Mr. Football in the state Average 26 points a game in basketball, just incredible athletes is Terry Hurt's son-in-law. And so they've gotten married and God has blessed them with a wonderful son. And so we miss them when they're not here. My wife's not here today. She went up to a little mission church up in Plano called Prestonwood. And, uh, you know, they only have like 15,000 there today. Our, our son is the student pastor or one of the student pastors there. And he is teaching today uh, among the, the, the big student group. And so my wife said, see ya. I'm going to go see our son. And so that's where they are. So we got lots of people out, but we are so glad, glad, glad that you're here today. And it is not an accident that you are here today. Many of you have come because you have been graciously invited. Some of our people have reached out to you, maybe at work or maybe at home and maybe where you go to school. And so we're in a series right now we're calling For the One, For the One, for that one individual that God would lead us to this week so that we might be able to encourage, to pray for them, to invite them, to invest in them, to share the gospel with them because that's precisely how Jesus Christ lived his life. When you read about him and his biographies in the Bible, you read where Jesus was all about doing the Father's will. And the Father's will was that nobody would perish, but that everybody would come to know his Son. And so Jesus is out and about all throughout Israel, and he's ministering to people, and he's talking to people, he's praying with people. doesn't matter if, if he's tired, which he is tired. In John chapter 4, Jesus comes to a well, and he is weary. He has been traveling, and this is where he meets the one that day. It's the Samaritan lady in John chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, I would love for you to follow along with me today as we study this text, a very riveting dialogue between Jesus, a Jew, and a woman who was a Samaritan. So we're going to look at the text today, verses 1 through 15, and then next week, Lord willing, we'll pick up with verse 16 until we finish the end of uh, the chapter. So it'll be like three sermons on this one lady and Jesus' encounter with her that day in Samaria. I love studying uh, this, this whole study that we're in because, number one, we get to really investigate the life of Christ. So I'm back in Thomas Jefferson last night, and uh, he, he almost put me to sleep, but what he couldn't do, the Golf Channel did. So anyhow, I'm reading Thomas Jefferson and really fascinated with his life. I love to read biographies, and most of the time I have a biography by my bedside, but my favorite biography 
is the biographies of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So when we study him, we get to study the greatest person who ever lived. Number two, I love doing the study with you because we get to analyze the biblical text. We're not going to just hold up the Bible and say, oh, there's the Bible. No, we're going to focus our whole sermon. We're going to focus everything around that sacred text that God has given to us these 66 books of canonical scripture, this love letter that God has given to us from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about him and God is for us. He, he loves us. And so that's what I told a young lady last night. I said, listen, I'm driving through and listen, mom's not home. So I, ain't, I'm, I cooked one meal. That was one meal too many. So I'm, I'm driving by Outback. Can I get an amen for Outback? And lady comes a curbside, you know, and I get to share with her. I ended up getting to pray with her. And I told her, I said, ma'am, God is not against you. God is absolutely for you. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to be your savior and to be your king. So we are on mission. The third reason I like doing the study with you is because I know you like to be blessed. And I'm going to help posture you and position you in a way before God that you're going to receive enormous blessings in your life because you're going to study the Bible, you're going to pattern your life after Christ. And as we pattern our lives after Jesus and we live the kind of life he wants us to live, whoo, look out. God will bless us. God will energize us. God will encourage us. God will give us everything that we need. And so we're studying for, for the one. Okay, so this one is, is to me, it's just, it's just amazing. Here's Jesus in John chapter 4. He's just finished a, uh, well, in John chapter 3, he has finished this dialogue with a very religious man by the name of, starts with an N. Anybody? Nicodemus. Nick at night. That's right. He talked to Jesus at night. But now John chapter 4, the Bible says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, they baptized. So Jesus left Judea. Now, for just help you for a moment, Judea is in the southern part of Israel, and then in the middle part is Samaria, and then the northern part is Galilee. Now, that's a brief little geographical lesson that's going to be imperative that you understand this. Judea, Jerusalem in the south, Samaria in the middle, and to the north, you have Galilee. All right, here we go. Jesus left Judea, departed again to Galilee. But he had to do something. It's an interesting verb there. We'll talk about it in a moment. I won't suppress the, 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 the urge to preach on it now. But let me just stop and say, he needed, he must go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. A lot of rich Old Testament history there. Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being, what does it say? Wearied. So I thought he was God. Yes, but he's also fully man. He's the God-man, okay? And so Jesus, he, he left the glories of heaven, did not consider it something to be grasped, but he, he let it go maintaining his full deity, but he also took upon humanity and all that humanity entails, meaning he was tempted like us, he got thirsty like us, he got hungry like us, and so there he is at this well, and he's weary from his journey. And he sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. 
a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, what? A Jew speaking to a Samaritan? A, a Jewish rabbi speaking to a Samaritan? A man speaking to a woman without her husband there? Listen, Jesus is like, I'm talking to her. Woman, he says, please give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The woman of Samaria said to him, what? How is it that you are a Jew and you are talking to me? You're asking me a drink and I am a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You think the black, white, racial tension is something real and it is you think in Ireland with the northern and with the Catholics and the Protestants, you think that's some tension it pales in comparison to this tension the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other and they had no dealings with one another but since Jesus loves everybody it's not surprising that he's talking to her and Jesus answered he said to her if you just knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. <laughs> and the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Today, Jacob's well, you can go to it, it's 75 feet deep today with all the debris and the dirt and so forth. Back then, it was much deeper, but you can still find this well, and it is still very deep, and you can't, you can't draw the water. Where, where then are you going to get this living water? Are you greater? Ah, she's, she's got a little barb on her. She's going to kind of twist him a little bit. She's going to try to catch Jesus in a theological trap. I mean, she's, she's, she's on edge a little bit. You ever talk to people like this? They're on a theological edge, and they're just wanting to debate. Are you greater than our Father? He's not just your father, Jews. He's our father, the Samaritans, as well. He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered and said to her, Well, if you want to debate, then let's just get down and dirty on debate. Let me just take... No, he didn't do that. He didn't fall for that trap. He said, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Brilliant, brilliant brilliant answer. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, please give me this water. See, the way Jesus talked to her and dealt with her, it left her not wanting to debate and argue anymore. She wanted what he had to offer. Give me this living water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Father, thank you for your word. It is your word. And we are your people, and we're so honored and blessed to be able to study it publicly, freely, with no threat of fear, no persecution. Thank you, God, that we get to focus on you. We get to worship you today. Help us, Lord, to worship you as was prayed earlier by Miss Jessica in spirit and in truth. In spirit, Lord, with our emotions, with our excitements, but also, Lord, in truth with our mind and with our reasoning and with our mental faculties. Lord, help us to come intensely, reverently, but joyfully as we come to the sacred text. Speak to us, O oh God, we pray through your word, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So verse 4 is critical. 
Verses 1, 2, and 3, I understand what's going on there. The Pharisees, they're already jealous of Jesus. And they know he's, he's gaining disciples, and his disciples are baptizing people. And so Jesus is like, I, if I stay in Jerusalem now, these people are going to come after me. They're going to hound me again. It's not my time to die on the cross. So he left. And the Bible says in verse 4, that it uses the Greek word die, D-E-I. You may want to underline that because that is a very critical word in verse 4 where it says, but he needed to go through Jerusalem, or go through Samaria. Now, the word die is the same Greek word that Jesus used in John 3 with Nicodemus when he said, you must be born again. So he's saying, I must go through Samaria. He said, well, what's the big deal about he had to go through Samaria? Well, let me, let me show you on the map what's going on here. Here's a map of first century uh, Israel and it will show you down toward the bottom, you will see where it says Judea. Does everybody see that toward the bottom of the, of the map? Now, watch the line as it goes to the right and it goes up through Perea on your right-hand side, on the eastern side. Do y'all see that where it says Perea? Okay. Now they're going to track on up across the Jordan River and then they're going to cut across the Jordan River and notice what they do? They bypass Samaria. That way they don't have to talk to those stinking Samaritans, a bunch of lowlifes, a bunch of half-breeds. I am a Jew, and I am not going through there unless you're Jesus Christ and you love everybody and you want to die for everybody so that everybody can be saved. So he says, I'm going through Samaria, and he did. He went straight up through Samaria all the way up to Galilee. See, at the top of the map, it says Galilee. In the middle of the map, it says Samaria. The straightest line, you know, is, is the shortest distance between two destinations is a straight line. Jesus knew that. He got that. But those Jews would rather cross the Jordan twice than speak to a Samaritan once. They were prejudiced, bigots, racial, racially charged and motivated, but not Jesus. He had to go through Jerusalem. So we're walking through this text. By the way, point number one in your outline there is walk through the text. And number two, we're going to seek by the Lord's grace, we're going to seek to apply uh, the text. So let's just walk through it as we make some, some, make some uh, exegetical comments or just some things that I'm going to share with you that I think will help you in interpreting the text. For example, in verse six, it says, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there are like three different interpretations of what the sixth hour means based on the Jewish time frame or the Roman time frame. And I'll give you all three and let you choose which one you want. Number one is noon, that Jesus was there at noon based on the Roman calendar. That's the one I believe, by the way. But also others believe it could be as early as 6 a.m. or it could be as late as 6 p.m. But I think it's noon. I think it's hot. The disciples are gone to get some lunch, and they have left Jesus alone, and he is by this well, and he is, he is sitting there, and he's probably just sitting down, and he's very thirsty, and here comes this woman. Now, by the way, most of the people are busy at noon, especially the men and even some of the women. They would be busy doing their, their chores or their jobs at noon, but she goes at noon, and there's probably a reason for it. Because she's not the most moral person you'll ever meet. She's had five husbands 
and she's living with a guy who's not her husband. And so she's probably going at noon. She's thinking, it's hot. Nobody's out. I don't have to deal with anybody. <laughs> I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to have these people look at me with this jaundiced, judgmental look. And so I'll just go at noon because it will be hot. Nobody will be there. And lo and behold, there comes Jesus. He's there. And in verse 7, he initiates the conversation with her. Please note this. Had he waited for her to talk to him, the conversation would have never happened. Think about that. If we wait on people to engage us and talk to us about our faith, about our church, about our life, there's a very good possibility that that conversation, that dialogue will never, never happen. But Jesus takes the initiative in verse 7, and he begins to speak with her. And she is flabbergasted. One writer says it this way in verse 9, There was a trace of sarcasm in the woman's reply as if to say, We Samaritans? are the dirt under your feet until you want something, and then we are good enough. But Jesus paid no attention to her flippancy or to her bitterness because he was more interested not in winning an argument, but in winning her, winning her heart to him. She does make some interesting statements about the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans and why is that? Why was that? Well, it goes back to about 930 B.C. David reigned from 1000 to about 960. His son Solomon reigned from about 960 till about 930, 920, somewhere in that time frame. And when Solomon died, um, there was two men that were vying for the kingdom. One was Rehoboam, which was Solomon's son, and he stayed in the south with Benjamin and Levi with those tribes there. And his servant's son, a man by the name of Jeroboam, he rebelled against the kingdom and he fled north to Samaria. So you got the 10 tribes in the north. You got the two tribes here in the south. Now fast forward with me to 722 B.C. That's a lot of dates, preacher. I don't know. Why are you giving me all these dates? Well, unless you understand the history and the backstory, you're not going to appreciate what you're reading. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. It goes back to Solomon's time, but especially it comes to 722. There's a man by the name of Sargon. Sargon is the king of the Assyrians. And you get in his way, he will annihilate you. And so he comes into the 10 northern tribes of Israel with his capital in Samaria, and he decimates it. He goes south to destroy Jerusalem and the two tribes, but there's a miracle in 2 Kings that says on one night, God sent a death angel and 185,000 Assyrian troops died. So they are protected in the south, but in the north, Assyria comes and decimates the Samaritans. And here's what happens. They deport those they didn't kill, and they imported people from all over the nations. So all of those who come from the nations dwell in Samaria and they intermarry with the Jews who are remaining and the offspring are the half-breeds. You following me? They would call them the half-breeds. Y'all not really true Jew because you're Assyrian and Babylonian and all these other people have come in and they've intermarried and because of your offspring and the Jews hated them for it. They hated them. 
And the Samaritan says, well, we didn't have a choice. What are we going to do? We, we, we're going to marry somebody. And so you got this great divide. And the two just had nothing to do with one another. Again, unless you're Jesus and he, he makes it all right. He makes a big difference. It's interesting and keep studying this. In 537, when the Jews returned from the Babylonian captivity and they begin to rebuild the temple and rebuild the wall in 444 with Nehemiah, it's very interesting that the Jews would not let the Samaritans help them. They said, we're not going to have anything to do with you. In fact, there's a man named Sanballat that we studied in Nehemiah. He was the governor of Samaria, and the Jews said, no, thank you. We're, we're not going to take your help. We don't want to have anything to do with you. So, so that gives you a little bit of the, of the backstory of why there's so much tension here. There's so much vitriol and hatred, and, 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 and it's so thick you can cut it with a knife. And, and so Jesus walks right in the middle of it. Now I see better why the Jews are like, I don't want to deal with that. I'll just kind of go around the Jordan, and that's not right. If you ever plan your journey because you don't want to deal with somebody of a different ethnicity or a different color, then you're in sin, and you need to get right with God because God is colorblind. God created us all in his image, and Jesus died for red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, right? That's not good singing, but that's good theology. All right. So now, verse 10. This really grabbed my heart. Jesus answered and said to her after she's trying to pick a fight, if you just knew the gift, that's the part that got me. If you knew the gift, for God so loved the world that he gave his gift. He said, if you just knew the gift of God, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Now, what is he talking about here when Jesus says living water? The Samaritan lady's like, dude, was there some fresh bubbly down there? There's something down there I need to... How are we going to get this living water? I mean, it's, it's too deep. You can't, you can't go down there. And Jesus is smiling. I think he's going, no, no ma'am, you don't understand. Living water, as she's going to find out in just a moment, really is a reference to the Holy Spirit. You say, how do you, how do you know that? Well, let, read John. John says, 738 says, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of, say it, church, what is it? living water. Verse 39 says, but this he spoke concerning the the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. So Jesus is talking about not H2O. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about a brand new life. He's talking about no more shame, no more guilt, no more, no more past, no more skeletons. Man, that lady's skeletons are rattling in the closet. And she's got some issues. She's got some hatred. She's got a boyfriend at home. She's got five men she's, she's already been with and divorced. And her life is a mess. And praise God, Jesus said, I got to go see her. I know who's ahead of me. And boys, you can go on and get some food if you want to. But I'm going to talk to somebody. And she was the one. The one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. And believing in us when we don't even believe in ourselves for dying for us when we needed redemption and forgiveness. He's the master witness. It's beautiful what he does. It's also beautiful what a lot of you are doing. 
And I've been noticing and I've been watching. And more than that, I've been hearing like Tom, Tom Kamek last week says, Pastor, my friend from the gym is here. I want you to meet him. Now, just by the way, let me just tell you something. If you ever want to just like really bless your pastor, then go invite somebody to church. And when they come, introduce that person to me. I might be tempted just to kiss you. You say, well, I'm not going to invite anybody anytime if you're going to do that. I'm not, no, I'm serious. I just kiss you on the cheek and hug your neck. Let me, let me tell you about another one. Susan French, bless her soul. A family of four met me last week in the hallway there, and they came up, sweet, precious family, and there's Susan. And, and, the, and the, the wife, the mom said, yeah, I met her at Barnes & Noble's. And she invited me to your church. And I thought to myself, well, somebody's that excited about their church, I probably ought to go. So we're here. And they came. Maddie Wimberly. Maddie, bless your soul. She, last week, a couple weeks ago, she saw a new family from Louisiana, and she invited them. And they all six of them came last week. Kathy Spencer, bless your soul. Had 25 ladies for lunch last week from all over in the world. Thank you, God. It blesses me beyond what you can know when you are out pursuing your one just like Jesus pursued his one. Okay, there's a lot more in this text. Some of you are like, yeah, but thank you. We, it's all the history, Brother Danny. Thank you for the map, but that's all the geography that I can handle today. So what else you got for me? Well, let me share this with you. There are three lessons from this text. I'm going to go through these, and uh, that'll, that'll complete our message for today. The first lesson is this. What I get from this text is I got to love everybody, right? Love all people. It's not the color of our skin that matters. It's the fact that we're created in the image of God. And whether we're Indian or African or American or European or Asian, or it doesn't matter. We are created by God who loves us. And, and we, as the people of God, are supposed to love everybody. I was listening to a podcast this week. It's really a good one. It's by... Um, Russell Moore called Signpost. I was at the gym and I was doing my little exercising and I was listening to his story. He said when he was a boy in Mississippi, he went to Sunday school and he said, I remember I had a quarter and I was supposed to put it in the, the little tithing envelope, but I put it in my mouth instead. And you just see, he's like six years old. He's got a quarter in his mouth and he's playing with it, you know. And the Sunday school teacher goes, Russell, Get that quarter out of your mouth. You have no idea where that quarter has been. For all we know, a colored man, a colored man may have been holding that quarter. He said, I'll never forget that. But it was also in that same class, she used to lead us to sing, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and Why? Why sing that if you don't live that? We got to love everybody, right? Aren't you glad God loves us? Aren't you glad God didn't look at the color of our skin? God didn't look at that. You know, he just looks at the condition of our heart. I learned a lot from Jesus. I learned a lot from this text. One of the main things I learned is 
I got to love everybody. The down and out, the up and out, they're all still out. I think about Jesus and Nicodemus and Jesus and the Samaritan woman. It's fascinating. Let me, let me juxtapose the two for you really quickly. The Samaritan woman, and I'm quoting E.A. Bloom in his commentary. This is very powerfully done, so let me share it with you. The Samaritan woman contrasts very sharply with Nicodemus. He was seeking. She was indifferent. He was a respected ruler. She was an outcast. He was serious. She was flippant. He was a Jew. She was a despised Samaritan. He was moral. She was very immoral. He was orthodox. She was heterodox. He was learned in religious matters. She was ignorant. Yet in spite of all the differences between this church man and a woman of the world, they both needed to be born again and both had needs that only Jesus could meet. Think about our church here at Great Hills. 78759, by the way, is the one of the most affluent, educated zip codes in the world. I mean, I can take a stone and toss it and hit a PhD right upside the head. I mean, they're everywhere or an MD, or a master's degree, or a bachelor's degree. We live in one of the most educated, affluent, wealthy zip codes in the world. Because if it's in America, then it's certainly in the world. But did you know within five miles of our church, you can move out of affluence into poverty? Now, I know if you go one mile west of Great Hills Baptist Church, you will run into really the opulent, the affluent place they call the domain. Stay away, friend. Stay away. <laughs> it will eat your money. It will devour your money. And I'm just, you know, I'm just kidding. I like the domain. I like Dick's Sporting Goods. I like, I like the food. And I, one mile. But if you go just one mile north and east a little bit or, one, or five miles south, and cross 35 the other way, you're not going to see that affluence and that opulence. You'll see, you'll see poverty. You'll see people struggling. I just got to ask us a question, Great Hills Baptist Church. Are the people who are struggling welcome here? They are. Maybe they don't have a lot of money, but they sure are welcome in this big church. Maybe they do have a lot of money and they don't think they're welcome. They would be judged. Well, guess what? They're welcome here as well. Why? Because Jesus loved everybody and so do we. From Austin to Africa, from Texas to Tijuana, they're all welcome at Great Hills Baptist Church. Aren't you glad to be able to say that today? I mean, I'm so blessed and I'm grateful to God that everybody is welcome, all the nations. Number two, talk to people. Talk to all people. Now, the next part I'm going to tell you about is just, it's going to be hard for me because it gets up in my world, and I'm convicted by it. Child, Pastor, don't share all your dirty laundry now. We don't need to see no dirty laundry. We just need to see you clean and perfect. Or you don't No, that's not me. How well do things have to be going in your life before you talk to somebody. Everything needs to be going good, got to be positive, Every, you got to be having a good day, and then we'll witness to people. That, that's a lot of times me. 
Because if I'm in one of my dark moods and I'm just moping around and feeling sorry for myself, I'm not, I'm not very quick to witness. But Jesus was tired. He was weary from his journey. And he says, ma'am, hey there. I mean, we just get a glimpse of it. What? How did he address her? I mean, hey, how are you doing? What? Why are you talking to me, man? What are you talking to me, man? Don't be talking to me. He's like, chill out, woman. It's okay. I can talk to you. I created you, but we'll talk about that later. I, 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 I you know. Can I ask you all that again? Because that hurts me. It convicts me. How well do things have to be going in your world before you'll share the gospel? Oh, help me, Lord. Please help me. Some Christians say, well, I, Brother Danny, you got to understand something. I don't talk to strangers. And I don't witness verbally, but I will witness with my life. See, because I got this holy glow around my head. And I will just show people by my actions that I am a Christian. Let me ask you something. How will they know you're a Christian? They may think you're a Buddhist. Yeah. Talked to a lady briefly yesterday, and on the back of her car was, was the elephant. Nagash, Nagash, what do you call that thing? Uh, Nagash, oh, long trunk elephant thing. We should be nice to her, and she may think, well, you're a Buddhist like me. We treat people right. Or they may think you're a Hindu. They may think you're a, 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 a nice Muslim. They may think you're just a good-hearted atheist until you open your mouth and show them otherwise. Jesus left it, no, not for chance. He's just going to talk to this woman. He's going to engage her. And, and boy, come next week and then the next week, this woman, and I know some of you are just going to go home and read it, and that's okay. That's perfectly okay. But you'll see a mighty transformation happen in this lady's life. That transformation is not going to happen unless the Son of God opens his mouth. And until you and I open our mouths and share with people, then we're not as much like Jesus as we thought we were. Sorry, <laughs> quit looking at me like that. So. Last thing I'll share is this. Offer everybody you meet hope. Offer everyone hope. We've got something far greater than the cure of cancer. We've got the cure of sin. It's the royal blood of Jesus. So ask the Holy Spirit, help me, Lord. Help me share with somebody, even this very week. I, I got a text from one of our church members. He's a Gideon. I love those Gideons. Those are some Bible-toting dudes, let me tell you. They're not ashamed of Jesus. They'll hand, a, they'll hand a New Testament out even on secular college campuses. I got a text from a guy this week as a member of our church, and he says, quote, on the Texas A&M, thank you, Texas A&M Kingsville campus today, Pastor. The Lord is providing lots of opportunities to engage the students in conversations with several giving their lives to the Lord. Wow. Thanks for your prayers. Remain blessed. For the one. Would you ask God today before you leave, Lord, who is he? Who is she this week? that I can engage and I'll give them a gospel tract. 
Man, there's an app now called uh, the One Cross app. It is a really cool app, a way to witness. I've written the five crosses. By the way, that is on our church app. If you go to ghbc.org and pull up on your, church, on your phone, there it is. The, the five crosses, the steps to peace with God, the, the Gideon's Mark New Testament, your testimony, however you want to do it. Let's just do it. Let's, let's love everybody. Let's talk to everybody. And let's offer everybody we meet hope. Because you know what? Everybody needs a little hope. So who's your one? The other thing I want to ask you as we, as we move into our time of invitation, you know, th- this lady, she, she's beginning to take her first step toward redemption. Some of you here today, you, you're like this lady. You got them skeletons. Man, they rattle, rattle, rattle in your closet. And you've got shame. You've got guilt. You're carrying this hum- humongous weight. Maybe you had an abortion in the past. Right? You'd be shocked, the people in this room who have. Maybe you've had an affair. And again, you're in this room. Maybe you cheated somebody, stole from somebody, you hurt somebody, and you carry that and you think, nobody would know that and love me. Can I just tell you this? God already knows it, and God does love you. And God just wants you to take a step toward him and say, Jesus Have mercy on my soul and watch what he'll do. He will cleanse you. He will forgive you. And then you can say, what sin? Because Jesus Christ has washed it clean. That's your first step. You with me? The other step, some of you need to come. Maybe just come to the altar and pray and just ask God for his help and for his encouragement. Maybe a step toward obedience for some of you to do what Larissa and Layton did. Right up there in the water, praise the Lord. Get him baptized. That's a big deal. It's a big step. Some of you need to rededicate your lives to the Lord. Others of you need to join our our church. You know, I misspoke a couple weeks ago. I said, y'all can't join in May because we're all full. And the staff said, no, we're not. We we, we got room. So if you want to come May 6th, next week, come to our Discover Great Hills class and we'll help you. We'll help you grow in the Lord. We'll help you understand what it means to be a part of our church. God, thank you for the day. Thank you, Lord for our opportunity we have to freely, publicly share your word, to be encouraged, God, not to be discouraged, but to be challenged and to be encouraged in our inner man and inner woman. We pray today for those, God, I talked about a moment ago, Lord, carrying shame, carrying guilt, carrying those weights. And Jesus, you want to bear that for her and you want to bear that for them and you will. If we will only believe, if we will only trust in you. So may that happen today. Lord, I also pray for our church. I'm so proud of so many of our people, God. They are doing the deal. They are engaging people at Barnes and Nobles and at the gym and at work and then in the, in the marketplace of life. Bless them, God. Continue to bless them. Use them, Lord, powerfully, mightily. But Lord, may it not just be a, a few. Could it be said, Lord, of all? that we love everybody, we talk to everybody, and we give everybody we meet hope, hope. So Lord, as we, as we stand in a moment, we're asking you, Lord, to give that hope and to give that joy, to give that Holy Spirit living water to the person today 
who will only believe. Bless our staff, Lord. Bless our counselors. Bless the people here at the altar as we, as we share with people, as we encourage people that this is a table of grace, God, and everybody can come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's all stand to our feet, sing a song of praise to the Lord. And Corey is going to lead us, and we invite you to come. God bless you as you come, even now.